Welcome. This is the Bros and Brewskies podcast. How's it going, bro? What's up, bro? Not much, man. How you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Sipping on a little beer. What you drinking tonight? Let's see. I just finished a good old Guinness and sipping on a Blue Moon followed by uh, Hefeweizen waiting waiting for me right now. Well, when do we have? Wow, those are some really nice, you know, almost feels like summery-ish beers you got going on there. Because most of the time those goes with a nice little orange slice. Yeah, I don't fruit my beer. I'm not a not a big fan of that. So. You're not a fruity beer guy, but you like the Bud Light. I have questions. You know, don't ju- <laughs> don't judge the character. Wait, wait. I like I like the way I I drink. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, Gets drinking the same is very area, personal, thing. right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, drinking is a personal thing. So whatever you're into, I mean, it doesn't mean I can't judge you for what you're drinking, but you know, exactly. You, you yeah. love that I drink Bud Light. I love. You got to keep the company in business, I guess. You know, so <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Hey, U.S. beer. I mean, sold yeah. to somebody that's not U.S., but. That's the uh, most American that we basically got right now. Pretty much, man. You know, I was thinking about uh, like a new segment during each of our podcasts where we each, you know, time we do a podcast in between, we we go out, we go to the store, we go to our local, you know, tap room or brewery, you know, at some point if they open back up, you know, due to the, the widespread coronavirus nationally. And uh, we go out and we find a beer that we've never had before yep. and we bring it back to the podcast and we have it, we review it for better, or for worse. Sometimes I think we should get a little bit adventurous, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, some of our choices. It doesn't mean every time we have to, I mean, I know that I'm more of a, uh, a hoppier uh, beer, you know, uh, you love the IPA consumer. Yeah. I love the IPAs, you know? And uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't always mean the hoppier, the better. It's like, I'm hoping that, you know, oh, I can't wait to get those Imperial IPAs where I can get the 12, 14%. You know, it's, it's, it's not really <laughs> like that. It's that, you know, it's definitely about the flavor, but I think that would, uh, that would be a uh, interesting kind of thing to bring back to the podcast each, each week, you know, to kind of think about. Uh, yeah. Maybe we crack our first one, right. When we end up, uh, Right, we end up starting it up, and we say what we're starting with, and maybe go through it. How we end up? Ooh, you talk about doing some live reviews right on the podcast. I'm thinking live is better. So I yeah. ended up going to the yeah. store, and I found a good old pub beer. You ever heard of some pub beer? I have not heard of some pub beer, but fill me in. So the Ten Barrel Brewery ends up having a having a box that I ended up seeing in the good old Bud Light and uh, Coors Light and all that kind of section. And it said pub beer. Cheap, fun. And I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> Cheap so, and fun. You can't get any better than that's, that, man. That's all it says on the box right there. That's and a nice so, Pacific Northwest beer company too because I think 10 Barrel is out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think it's down in the Portland area. Yep. So, so it's a nice Northwest beer. Yeah, and they have quite a few that are on the shelves around here. So I'm going to give it a shot. That's what I'm going to buy next time. And I'm going to put a live review on that next time. Dude, bring that back. I got I got one in mind uh, that I'm thinking. I, I mean, how many times have you gone to the grocery store? I mean, or for me, it's like up here in the Pacific Northwest, we got a store called Total Wine. Mm-hmm. You know, you go in there and they have hundreds, if not thousands of different beers and wines and spirits and i'm telling you i could easily go in there and spend hours walking through the aisles of the different beers and reading them looking where they're from where the hops are from you know nerding out you know for an hour or two and then walking out with like a six-pack of like Mm -hmm. the same beer or like different individual beers you know that i want to go home and try so yeah, just thinking collection. like so many things are going through like my mind right now. I'm like, oh man, what's the first one? But I think I think I totally have one in mind. I'll make sure I go grab one next time uh, we hit the podcast. And uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think we we crack those tops, we review them live. You're gonna give us and, a little, you know, just give us a full tease right there. 
Oh, that's definitely a tease. You're not even going to tell us what tease. it is? I'm not going to tell you what it is. I am not going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to keep – I mean, you kind of laid it all out there right off the bat. You're like, pup beer, 10 barrel, here it is. And now they're going to go out and taste it and then come back and they're going to judge you for you maybe liking it or not liking it. And for me, I'm going to hold that off right now. And I'm going to say, I'm going to bring it to the table later, uh, give it a try. So it leaves a little bit of mystery uh, for you to tune in to the next Bros and Brewskies podcast. Sounds like a hashtag uh, uh, cock tease from what I end up hearing. Well, you know, somebody has to be. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, on our last podcast, we talked about a new sports documentary series that kicked off on ESPN called The Last Dance, which chronicles the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls. Uh, NBA team going for their what were they on like their second three-peat second three-peat won five five championships or at least Michael and yeah in Scotty the 1990s and Phil yeah Michael and Scotty and Phil and then later in the what was it 96 season they bring in Dennis Rodman uh-huh. so uh, the documentary really chronicles that and ESPN has been releasing two episodes per week so Last week, they had episode one and two that came out. Uh, in the last podcast, we did, you know, kind of a reflection review upon that. And then just this last weekend, uh, they released episode three and episodes four. Uh, one which highlighted the bringing on of Dennis Robin on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and if you, if you don't know who Dennis Robin is, a very colorful character, very good NBA player, uh, one of the best. And then episode four really gets into talking about uh, the coach, Phil Jackson, and his history, not just with the Chicago Bulls, but we'll get into it here. His history kind of in, you know, with basketball, playing in the NBA, coaching, you know, even though most people think of him and automatically think Chicago Bulls, he coached the Los Angeles Lakers. He, you know, has so many NBA titles, Mm -hmm. a few of his own while playing in the NBA. Yep. You know, so what'd you think of uh, episode three and four? Did you think it held up to the first couple episodes? I totally feel like it did. And looking at episode three, let's focus on that one to start on out with, because that's a lot to dive in on. That's all about Dennis Rodman and um, seeing his journey of how he ended up making it, going from a small college all the way up to being drafted in the second round. Um I didn't know that he was actually drafted. I, if I remembered right, when I ended up hearing his whole story, I didn't even hear that he ended up getting drafted. He was trying out, but they corrected my memory in the in the show. And yeah, he was uh, from small college and went to the Detroit Pistons and found his way there and kind of made his name, but. I think probably you ended up saying he's one of the best NBA players that's around, and I could probably second that. I would say he is the best, one of the best role players ever for a team. He makes teams better. And so when he's not on the court, you know, I mean, his career average was like 15.9 rebounds um, per game, (laughs) if you can imagine that. So. Yeah. And it's funny. Isn't it crazy, though, thinking about it, that Dennis Rodman came from a small Mm -hmm. college, ends up making it on the Chicago Bulls. You know, they win three more championships when he gets on the team. And Scottie Pippen also went to a small college, you know, ends up on the Chicago Bulls. Where'd Horace Grant go to? Ends up winning like six, you know, NBA titles with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where Horace Grant went to, but I have a feeling I thought too he was that a he smaller college kid too. Also went to one that was not a huge college. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking about it. I Brand mean, like names. Michael Jordan at the time, going from the University of North Carolina, yeah. is really the guy uh, playing on you know the Chicago Bulls. So you got a supporting cast that is just you know epic. Yep. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Dennis Rodman. Uh, they also refer to him as the Worm. Mm-hmm. You know. He plays that role of, I mean, he's a team guy. I mean, he's not a guy who comes in who's thinking about himself. Nope. What's my stats? What's my statistics? I mean, he goes out there. He puts in He puts in that work, you know, before the games, after the games, during the game. 
And uh, he is. He's a team guy. And, you know, no matter what you think of Dennis Rodman and uh, his crazy antics on the floor or off the floor, it was interesting to see. You know, he grew up, you know, pretty tough, you know, neighborhood. He said he could have been a drug dealer, you know, and gotten totally into that game. Uh, but he, you know, really, in a sense, stayed on the straight and narrow, started playing basketball, you know, got into the NBA, played for the Detroit Pistons, played with the bad boys, which were definitely not best friends to the Chicago Bulls during the or anybody you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> so so, yeah, it was it was interesting hearing the story about about Dennis Robin and how he kind of came up. And then when he ended up what was it one of his second to last or last season with the Detroit Pistons? I mean, his antics kind of started getting a little out of control and they decided we're to, we're they released him. Continue it. Yeah. They released him. And I think he went to the San Antonio yep. Spurs and played yep. there and then ends up the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. picked him up. Yep. Yeah. And think about all those teams. Think about the Pistons, the Spurs, the Bulls, all of those teams. Those are, uh, Unbelievable yeah. teams, you know. And he started on NBA every one of those teams. teams. Started on everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, it was funny to see when they ended up showing the videos, and then they ended up. We talk about role players, and you end up seeing Dennis Rodman. He ends up getting a rebound right next to Michael Jordan, and they both hold on to the ball. And Michael Jordan lets go of the ball, shows him the respect that yes, this is your job. And Dennis Rodman holds on to the ball, <laughs> and then he hands it on over yeah. to Michael. Because he yeah. – Now give it to me and right? let me score. He knows exactly what he's going to do, you know. And it was it was classic to see Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman on the uh, benches talking with each other, defensive strategy, you know, talking in almost another language, another level um, from what most basketball players could understand. You know, setting the high picks and, you know, holding the lane and trying to do this and do that. And um, it was it was classic to see that from my perspective, because growing up, that's what I remember. I remember you always played your role and you always knew where your lane was and stay in your lane because your team's going to be that much better if you know where your role's at. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, when those three got together, they were such a trifecta that it was just you know team wise it's just it was just hard to match during those years from 96 to 98 and you know that's just i think in in many ways ways why they were so successful such a such a glue (laughs) well yeah i mean there's so many supportive roles on that on that chicago bulls team i think it was a 96 team that's when they won 72 games which most people said that is never going to be surpassed and what did the Golden State Warriors came along, and what did they win? 74, 75? Yeah, they had to pay to get a whole bunch of superstars on that team, though. Yeah, and they yeah they had they had superstars galore on their team. Not taking mm-hmm. away from them, because honestly, you know, winning pretty much, you know, 95 to 97% of your games is, you know, yeah, insane. That's ridiculous. So. But, uh. But the one, the one, the uh, the one part of the episode three that really highlights Dennis Rodman was, you know, him in what was it the ninety, yeah, wasn't it the ninety seven ninety eight season? He comes up to Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan standing there, and he says, "I need a vacation." Yep. And Michael Jordan's like, "If anybody needs a fucking vacation, <laughs> it's me." You know, <laughs> and Rodman's like, "I need this. I need, I need forty eight yep. hours." And Phil, just, you know, being the insightful coach yep. that he is, he was just like, he needs this. He needs 48 hours. He mm-hmm. needs to go. Jordan was like, if he goes, he may never come back. I don't, He's not you coming know, back. This is, like releasing a, this is like releasing a wild animal, you know, back in the wilderness, and you're hoping, ah, they'll yep. come back. He wasn't sure about it. And then they ended up letting him go. And of all places, where did he go? Vegas. He went to Vegas, baby. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. And he goes to Vegas. To and he said, "I'll be back in forty-eight hours." And, he didn't uh, come back in he, the forty-eight uh, hours. <laughs> nah, so who had to go Michael get him? Had to go into his uh, good old, his good old <laughs> hotel room with his uh, girlfriend at the time, Carmen Electra. 
MTV host right there. And uh, yeah, yeah, he ended up walking right on in there. He didn't care what he was walking into. He was just going to go get Dennis, get him out on the court, support him, tell, uh, tell Phil that, you know, back off. We need to get him back into training. And so I think it said 84 hours. So I think it was a 48 turned into an 84. Eh, a oh, little sure bit dyslexia. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure as well, but yeah, it's, uh, I thought that was the hilarious part. It's like, dude, if you let him go, he he's not coming back. He says he's going to come back, but he ain't coming back. And it's just funny that Michael Jordan, at his level of prestige at that time in his career, he's flying to Vegas, finding where Dennis yep. Robbins staying, gets into hotel into his hotel room, walks in, says, man, get your shit. It's time to go. Let's yeah. get out of here. Get back on a plane. Fly to Chicago. Practice a right. couple days, you're right back on well, the Just court. think about that conversation that Michael goes up to Phil and says, I told you so. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on now. <laughs> what, I'm going to have to pay for this? No, you're going to pay for my, for my plane to go pick up Dennis Rodman, go find him in a hotel room, go get his butt back here. It's all your fault. You released him. You released the hound. That's your <laughs> fault, not mine. So... But that, that really gets us into episode four where it really highlights, you know, the coach, Bill Jackson. Yeah. And what I valued most about that episode was I didn't really know the the history of Phil, yeah. like him really growing up. Did he grow up in like North Dakota? No, maybe he played at North Dakota University or, or something. But I mean, he was a really kind of small town guy. His parents were pretty yeah. religious. Uh and he went to college. Yeah, I think he went to like North Dakota University yeah. or something yep. like that. And ends up getting drafted. He goes plays for the New York Knickerbockers. Yep. I mean, they almost compared him a bit with like with his physical prowess on the court of being almost like yep. a Dennis Rodman, you know. And he wins what two NBA titles for the New York Knickerbockers when he's there. Two NBA titles, yep. And then he like and then he goes on like this, all right, I'm going to become a coach. And he ends up going and coaching in another country. <laughs> yeah, that was a different twist that I've never heard about, Phil. I hadn't heard it either. And he goes, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember what country he was in, but I feel like it was Puerto Central Rico. America. Was it Puerto Rico? Okay, so I, yeah, Puerto Rico. And he got into some squabble with like the mayor <laughs> or something, and it basically kicked him out. And he was talking about how that mayor had one time like shot yeah. a referee, shot him in the leg, and it was yeah, shot him in the leg or something. And I'm just like, dude, I didn't even know this about Phil. And then he like comes back and he's and he's like assistant coach for the Chicago Bulls under and Doug he's doing, Collins. And he's doing yoga with it? the team. He goes from. He goes from yeah. a place where people are shooting people in the leg to hum namaste. <laughs> so a, a total a total yeah. twist. And it was it was interesting to learn like, you know, Doug Collins, who was a pretty liked coach by Michael Jordan, because Doug Collins just wanted to get Michael Jordan the ball and just say, yeah. dude, perform. And which he did. I mean, he got him to the Eastern Conference Finals and the 1989 season, Phil Jackson was the assistant coach. And at the end of that season, you know, they came in and said, yeah, Doug, we know you got us to the Eastern Conference Finals, but <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get us to the Finals. And, uh, you're not going to get us there. So you got to go. I mean, how many coaches do you hear takes the team to the Eastern yeah, Conference very Finals? Rare. And, uh, and then gets the boot and Phil Jackson slides right in. And I mean, just totally like restructures the entire team because he wasn't a guy like, let's just nope. give the ball to Michael. He was like, let's institute this hey, triangle offense, in. which gives us so many more mm -hmm. options on the court. And take the ball know, out of Michael's hands because that's not going to win you the whole game. You know, you got to have a team to win the team mentality. So, yeah. And, and, and ironically, what team did they run into that yeah, they the could Pistons? Because of yep. the format of their team, the Detroit Pistons, and yeah, who played for the Dennis Detroit Rodman. Pistons. Yep. 
Dennis Rodman. Yeah, that, I mean, the bad boys. I mean, you got Bill Ambeer and Isaiah It all Thomas circles and, back. It's kind of funny you know, how that story ends Dennis up Rodman. playing out. But I'd say going back to Phil, I think the uh, cool part about Phil was learning about his native background. That was kind of cool to kind of bring that oh, in. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he's almost like a hippie. You know, he, it's kind of how he ended up playing, and that's how he would talk, and that's how he would act. And um, and then they would talk about his nature of being a head coach. You know, that was really cool of him uh, trying to take on a different way of coaching, you know, and they'll be playing and practicing, and then suddenly they pull out their yoga mats, and they showed them what their yoga mats out there you know, doing yoga and Phil's the instructor. I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he totally had a different philosophy on how to really bring his team together and focus and, you know, maximize their, their time. And yeah, and one of the, the best court. coaches ever is sitting out there doing yoga during their basketball practices. I mean, it just, just makes me as a coach think about like, Wow. If he can end up doing that, really, you get to a point in a season that you just have to think about, you know, mental health and wellness that way. And um, I mean, that's more just kind of bringing the harness in and, you know, focusing yourself. So I think that was. Well, I think, you know, well, I think, you know, in sports, it's like there's so much focus on the physical aspect of the sport that the mental aspect maybe isn't nope. always catered to, you know, or well, tended that's to. what separates everything. And I think Phil like really understood. Yeah. And I think Phil really understood that. I think he understood you have to have a really great balance between mm-hmm. your mental performance and your physical performance to get your yep. maximum performance. And he was really bringing that into the mix. And I think that, you know, I think people really believe that Phil knew what he was doing and that he was going to get them to win. And they were just like, well, I guess this is what, if this is what we got to do to win an NBA championship, then I guess this is what we're going to have to do. And, you know, if Michael yep. was willing to buy into it, I mean, everybody yep. else is going to And I think it was cool with having uh, a six championships out of eight years, Michael being gone for the two that were in between. Um, just trying to think about that whole process of you ended up keeping your team focused for basically six years in a row to win six championships. That's, that's insane. Yeah. And to think about it. Well, and to think about it too, it's like Phil Jackson never had a losing season. Never. And to think about it too, it's like Phil Jackson took over in 1990 mm-hmm. and they lost their first year to the to the Detroit Pistons yep. in the playoffs. And then in front 91, 92, 93, and they win the championship. 94, 95, they get to the playoffs mm-hmm. still, you know, and they got Scottie Pippen and you know, but it's just not the team that they were. And then Jordan comes back in the, you know, 95 season, but they end up losing in the Eastern Conference Finals yep. to the Orlando Magic. And then the Orlando Magic end up and going and playing the Houston Rockets yep. in the 95 finals. And then 96, the first full season that Jordan's back, everything starts clicking again. They win 72 yep. games in 96. They win the championship 97. Then they go into uh, with the championship in 98. I just always think about like if Jordan wouldn't have retired and um, we got into that 90. 90- Oh, you're talking Four about that time. Year yeah. when the, yeah, when the Houston Rockets won back to back NBA mm-hmm. championships. Dude, wouldn't have that been some game? The Chicago Bulls versus the Houston Rockets. Dude. You know, you think about it probably in the ninety the ninety four yeah. NBA finals. Well and I even think even more. What about the legacy of uh, Michael? Because, you know, he probably would have ended up pulling that out. Um, and thinking of having four in a row, five in a row, six in a row, seven, eight in a row. If he ended up doing yeah, eight in eight. a row with those teams, how could you not put him as number one? 
Like people end up having those debates all the yeah. time. And, you know, Michael basically did six in a row. You know, when he was when he was there for the playoffs, oh, no doubt. six I... in a row. That's what it was. So, um, yeah, I, I was cool seeing the stat. If you saw the trivia stat, did you end up seeing the trivia stat about Phil? That which um, one was that? The most winning seasons in a row, like continuously, was uh, held by Phil at twenty, and the next closest coach is ten. Casey Jones. Oh yeah, Casey Jones. That's yep. right. I remember seeing that. I I remember seeing that trivia, and I was thinking there in my mind, like, who do you think the next yeah. guy would have been? And in my mind, I was thinking, like, well, maybe it's a Pat Riley. Yeah. You know, because what he coached for the for the New York, and then Miami. he went to. Uh, yep. No, he, he went to LA, LA Lakers. Lakers. Wasn't he at the Lakers first and then yeah. New York? Yeah, Lakers, yep. New York, and then Heat. And I mean, I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe Pat Riley yeah. would be number two. But I don't know where he falls on that. But to see Casey Jones, who coached mm-hmm. the Seattle Supersonics, you know, that was uh, that was a pretty interesting kind of look at yeah. that. I didn't even know. But 20 versus 10. Nobody's even close to it currently. So that's the kind of coach you end up having. And that's, that's what makes me think about coaching all the time. It's just how you end up being able to um, take your team to another level compared to other teams, that middle road, right? When teams are starting to fall apart, how do you end up making them different? And so he must've been doing something different all the time. So. Oh, no doubt. You could totally tell he was a, Yep. He was a relationship builder, you know, like he knew the importance that if you didn't have a good relationship with your players and not the type of relationship that you like need to be kissing their ass all the time and, you know, bowing to all their needs and making sure their needs are met. I think he built like true, genuine relationships with his players based on respect. And they really bought yeah, Dennis Rodman. He almost program. turned out from our perspective, or at least my perspective, almost kind of like a Marshawn Lynch and Pete Carroll aspect. If you think about it, you end up having this this loose dog that you know when you need to harness him and you know when you need to let him run. And, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch, he's a character. He's, a, uh, he's all over the map. He'll do his own thing. I mean, what, last week he was out driving in a little mini golf cart handing out uh, face mask to a whole bunch of people. That's just kind of the style that he is. He's just all over the map, you know. And then the next point, he'll be chugging some skittles, and the next point, he'll be saying, "I'm not going to be playing." And the next point, he won't talk to the media. And <laughs> right, yeah, you I'm know? retired. <laughs> it's like, huh? Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm only here exactly. So I don't right? get fine. So, you know, it's kind of like the same thing that kind of popped in my head from the Seattle perspective of it's kind of like the Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch relationship. But and then you saw Phil and Dennis sitting in a, you know, film room sitting right next to each other. You know, I think Phil Phil's arm was right around uh, Dennis just kind of sitting there, you know, yeah. enjoying the time that he's with him. And that was right after the 84 hour uh, departure. He's like, yep, I'm happy you're back. You know, true friendship. They said that they still end up talking, you know. Well, I almost felt like the Chicago Bulls for for him. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is my own interpretation is that it almost felt like for for Rodman and Jordan and Pippen. And I mean, it was a brotherhood. And 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 Phil Jackson really played like that almost father figure role in a sense, because I I don't recall, but I, I got the sense of from the, you know, the episode three about Dennis Robin that maybe uh, a father figure wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. in the uh, in the picture when he was younger. Uh, so, I mean, maybe Phil Jackson, I mean, and that's the thing with Robin, too. I mean, he wanted to build relationships and I think he really looked up and respected these yep. people that he played for. 
And I think that shows through his performance. So, I mean, overall, I think episode three and four held up. You know, it's going to be interesting to go into episode five and six because it looks like the little preview talks Mm -hmm. about the Dream Team era in 1992. And they did there at the end of uh, episode four, right? Did they they go into, like, they finally beat the Pistons and the Pistons ended up just, like, walking off the court. They didn't even shake the hands and just snubbed them. And that's always been mm-hmm. like a thorn in Jordan's side. And Isaiah said, well, that's just how we did it then. It was and, funny you know, seeing Michael's reaction. And I don't so even want to watch said, this video. Don't show me that video. Yeah, yeah I know what he's going to say. He's going <laughs> to say time's gone by. And and reflecting and on he it, nailed it, we were probably wrong. And he, yeah, and he's like shaking his head like, yep. see, see, it's exactly what I told you. Public opinion. Changed it, changed his tone on what he you did. Tell he still don't like years, Isaiah, but I mean, oh no doubt. And it's going to be interesting to see in episode five about the whole dream team thing and about how Jordan was pretty much the reason why Isaiah Thomas. Well, he was, he was the reason Correct. why Isaiah Thomas was not on the dream team. He pretty much told the 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 U.S. Yep. basketball director, "If yeah. you have Isaiah Thomas on this team, I will not play." And it's like, who are you going to take? You're going to take Isaiah Thomas. You're going to take Michael Jordan. And, you know, what I've heard, and and I know years ago, I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched it, but I think it was on the NBA channel. They did a Dream Team documentary. Refresh me. Refresh me. I did you ever think see I that? ended the up Dream seeing Team? it. Uh, the NBA TV uh, or the NBA channel or whatever it was uh, a number of years ago, I don't know, it was three or four years ago, they did a, a uh, two-hour documentary uh, two-hour yeah. documentary on the Dream Team and kind of went into it. And they talked to Michael Jordan and all the players, you know, from Charles Barkley to Dennis to uh, Larry uh, David Bird, Robinson Magic. to Carl Malone, Larry Bird, Magic. And Chris there were Mullen. already some people who had <laughs> – yeah, there were already some people that were on the team that didn't have the yeah. best relationship with Isaiah Thomas either. You know, so when it came down to it, it was like, you know, Jordan was on there. Pippen was on there. Yeah. Neither of them liked Isaiah Thomas. And what they ended you know? up having. And to, so wasn't it like a it rule like, or something? I remember this back in the day that they ended up saying they had to have one college player. And wasn't it Christian Leitner or something that was on that team? Yeah, I think they I think they did that aspect because, you know, before the 92 Olympics, I think that's that's mainly what they used yeah. were college players before that. So I think they kept that kind of tradition that they were going to have a college player. Was it that year? Team. Was it, I thought and that I would be '96 now, if it was Christian Leitner, though, right? Well, '96, '92 okay. was the year Leitner was on yeah. the dream team. So my thought was is that I mean before that, like the '88 mm-hmm. Olympics and before. Yeah they were all college players because I think Jordan played on the 84 Olympic team when uh, coach. Bobby yes. Knight was the coach yep. of the Olympic team and they won gold uh, that year in the Olympics. So I think that all changed. And then I don't recall like yeah. 96 and after that they have call it a college player. I don't even think they do today. I mean, in the last Olympics, I can't remember, but I nope. didn't pay too much attention to the squad. I mean, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and all those guys, you know, Kobe Bryant, I mean, were, I mean, on the, they'd been on dream teams over yeah, the last Yeah, how nasty would it be to have Olympics. LeBron James and yeah. Zion Williamson and some of those type of people playing with a Steph Curry and a, gosh, that's not even, I mean, it'd be fun to watch, but that would just be destroying people yeah i mean i don't i don't think the olympics i don't think the olympics are even happening this year in uh tokyo so i don't think that uh we're gonna see that maybe until next year it sounds like they're gonna postpone the the olympics until 2020 the summer of 2021 so it'll be interesting to see who they pull to actually be on the u.s basketball team but It'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll definitely be a, a, another great episode in the last dance episode five, when they talk about the dream team, because that was like, I remember growing up during that time, mm-hmm. I was about 10 years old. So I was a, at, at a really, uh, 
a really uh, – I was at an age that I can definitely remember uh, those events happening and watching the Dream Team and them just blowing countries out. Yeah, we like were always talking about 50 points. how much you think they're going to win by this yeah. time. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was, was almost it was, like uh, an all-star game every single so. time that they were going out there and, you know, they would go against a team that, you know, was trying their hardest. And then you would get uh, like a behind-the-back lob to different players and – and they would throw down dunks that were legit. So, give a shout out during the uh, Olympic game. Best moment I've ever watched was uh, Vince Carter dunking over a Lithuanian guy that was seven feet tall, jumped straight over him and dunked on him. Oh yeah! So, yeah, Vince Carter did. He's still he playing. Retired the Atlanta Hawks. Ago, did he? He's still this playing. may be his last that year. Insane. I believe because he ended up. He's got to yeah, be like 40, 41. Vince Carter is amazing. Is crazy. He's one of those athletes that, you know, if you end up taking him in a dunk contest in his prime against anybody, he could do anything. If you created a dunk, he could do it. So. He just had that much bounce yeah. and creativity. Yeah, and, that's a... yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I remember watching the the dunk competitions with Vince Carter, and I just was like, "Yep, it's done. There's never going to be a better, all around, you know, yep. dunk champion than Vince Carter. That's it. It's done. You know." And I honestly can't remember watching really too many dunk competitions since. And I, I think I probably watched one yeah. or two after, you know, Vince Carter uh, won the dunk competition. And I just felt like after that, I'm like, everybody is just an imitation of all the dunk, you know, slam dunk competition yeah. champions before Vince Carter. Well, and now they're, you know, everybody I've was watched everyone. I'm a huge, huge basketball all-star weekend kind of fan. I love watching the three-point competition and skills competition now and, than going into the dunk competition. And there's there's some dunkers out there that are purely legit dunkers. And, I mean, the difference between yeah. them and Vince Carter, Vince Carter could still go out there and drop 29 points a game. Comparable to the dunkers that are out there right now, they can't do that. They can't go out there and put 29 up a game on average, you know, doing that type of stuff. So that's what I think separates Vince, but they have some pretty interesting yeah. dunks nowadays, like a, you know, basically a behind the back, almost underneath their butt kind of, kind of dunk. Um, that's kind of one of the newer ones. Yeah. Taking different obstacles that they can jump over, being creative of trying to dunk on like a 12 foot hoop or 11 foot hoop. Um, like Dwight Howard, that's what he ended up doing. Um doing uh, double dunks um yeah and then i've even ventured down in the youtube room the past couple weeks of uh the best dunkers and they have their own like dunk league um yeah there's a guy that oh, does really? a this is the nastiest dunk i've ever seen in my whole life it is a bounce double between the legs dunk so he ends up running on That's up crazy. there he starts his jump, throws it on the ground, grabs it, goes between the first leg, goes between the se- It's almost like he's walking in air that he's doing this, and then he ends up throwing down the dunk. And he did it in one competition, and nobody's yeah. ever tried it since. And that was three years ago or four years ago. Wow. Even that guy hasn't even done it since because it's just – it's such – Yeah. It's such a ridiculous dunk that people try it and they can never do it. And, you know, he had it down to an art form. Um, But, yeah, I've been going down that realm. And then there's another guy that I kind of jumped on the little train with. He's like 6'6", and he has a 54-inch vertical. He used to be a UCLA high jumper. And so he's in the dunk realm and so i've been watching his stuff and going down that rabbit hole of uh youtube so 
Well, yeah, I started watching like some. Oh yeah. Uh, and one next time volume you know, three on YouTube. You know, just kind of, just kind of, just kind of, you know, reminisce a little bit. And and you know, YouTube they always pop up the suggestions on like what's the next video you you should watch. And they had on there, you know, mm-hmm. can you dunk from the three point line? And there's all these people that have tried like taken off. Oh yeah. You know, because people have done it from the free throw line. You know, but they're like, you can do it from the three point line too. And they're showing all these people that have tried. And it was, it was almost like clickbait, man. Because I'm like getting my hopes up as I'm going through. It's like they show the still image of them like almost to the hoop. Really? <laughs> and there was a couple of them that got close, but they were just far enough away. Yeah. You know, like they they almost try and throw it in the in the in the rim you know it's like nah you're not gonna make it and so mm-hmm. they like do this kind of throw it in it's like just reaching for it and they lose the ball and i'm just like ah and could not find one video of a person who actually dunked well you don't from the three-point line you don't even find people that, nowadays that, that can do it be behind epic. the free throw line like michael jordan did you know michael jordan was the only one who went behind yeah. the free throw line in that dunk competition and everybody else tried, and they were all foot on or foot in front, right? And Michael was the only inside. one that did yeah, it all the way inside. up until, um, you know, Vince Carter did a two-footer behind the free throw line or a, or a two-handed dunk. That's yeah. what it was. And you're just like – two-handed, yeah. He did it yeah. two-handed. I mean, it went, it went yeah. that long. It went like – 12, 15 years before somebody could even try and, you know, contest with it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Jordan did that in like 88 or 89. And I mean, the awesome thing about his is like, you know, like Julius Irving, you know, he like does that. He yep. is almost the originator of the, the free throw dunk, you know, but he's like, oh, yeah, he's like reaching out, you know. From the beginning, he's already reaching out, stretching, you know, to get that dunk in. And Jordan, like, hits the free throw line yep. and does this. He, like, pumps the ball yep. back, you know, and, like, cocks it. And he's just, like, mm-hmm. in total, like, flight mode. And then just, boom, and reaches for it and puts it in there. And you're just, like, it's no. just not a behind the free throw line dunk, man. It is, like... It's yeah. fucking smooth. Well, and the difference between well. Michael it's when you end slick. up watching some of the videos that he ends up doing, and a lot of the people that are today, Michael Jordan does it everything in front of the three point line. He is the best inside the free. Basically, um, what's a what's that um, pull up jumper? Basically, ever. Um, oh yeah. You know he'll do a fadeaway on you. He'll spin around you and take you for a dunk. He'll do layups. He'll do, you know, anything. Um, and that's the difference between what he can do. Yeah. <laughs> like what? His his final year, he took 11 three-pointers or 17 three-pointers. It was underneath 20. He doesn't have to do it that way. He's going to yeah. put up. And if you yeah, saw his games, you know, they're putting up, yeah. you know, 100-plus points every single game. Just like today's game. Well, yeah. With, well, and the thing that's so crazy is like, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast about the first couple episodes about, you know, are people of the newer NBA basketball generations going to mm-hmm. look back who didn't grow up watching the Chicago Bulls? You know, they might know who Michael Jordan is. They might wear his shoes, his clothing, whatever it may be. But maybe I hadn't really gone back and actually. And they're almost haters when they all wear his stuff. Or, his, or, or were it, you know. Yeah, and in a sense, it's like, you know, during that mm-hmm. time, you had, like, the best Larry, players magic. coming out, like yep. the bird, the magic, coming out saying, he's it, like, he's the yep. man. He's on another level. He's, like, superhuman. He's he's the best player we've ever played against. And you just don't hear that nope. today. Like, the other players yeah, coming you don't hear out Kevin in Durant, the NBA while you're Steph playing. Curry. Like, Steph Curry's coming – like Steph Curry's nope. coming out saying LeBron nope. James is the best player ever. He's superhuman. What do you, I mean? Even his own you, teammate of Kyrie you Irving. Can't stop him. He doesn't you know even say I mean? that LeBron's the best. You know, like 
Yeah, so I don't know if it's like the culture of what's happening, or like like you were just saying the hater, <laughs> the haters out there. Uh, yeah. Like it's the like it's the hater culture or what it may be. I mean, I I grew up in in the time you know watching Jordan play, and yep. you know there were so many epic players during yep. that night that decade of the 1990s. You know, even into the early 2000s, just like there were so yeah. many amazing players in that 10 year stretch that it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, great players in the NBA today, you know, that you can name. Uh, but the plethora or depth across the entire league of teams having these outstanding players on each team doesn't really exist today like it did then, because yep. today you have like these super teams you know where they're trying to get mm-hmm. like the top guys and put them on a, a couple teams and so you may have maybe two or three teams in each of the divisions that are going to be competing for the NBA you did have two teams though every single um, year that's where i kind of concur you know? with you on this the or go against you on this kind of thought is you have you had uh celtics who had four hall of famers right and then you also had um, the Lakers, oh, yeah. who ended up having four Hall of Famers, that was on their starting, but they were separated so far apart. They're not the full team, you know, staying together. They didn't stay together for forever. They stayed together for a short stint, and then kind of added different people. But the difference was, is you didn't, you weren't able to pay the players as much or have the salary cap as what they ended up having back in the day. You know, people would take pay cuts to try and play with the Celtics yeah. or the Lakers. So, yeah. Yeah, to get that Celtics team together that had, you know, Larry Bird and Bill Walton and Robert Parrish and Bill McHale. And, you know, it's like mm-hmm. to get those guys all on one team, teams just didn't have the money like they do yep. today to, like, dish out the salaries. That guys actually just said, nah, I want to win an NBA championship. I want to come together and yeah. play with some good guys and let's win something, you know? So, I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, there, there are times, you know, going through that. Yeah. Teams, uh, teams yeah. have been put together like the Celtics, you know? Um, I mean like the Lakers Correct. with magic. I mean, he got, there was a lot of drafting though. Cremel you know what I mean? Was there. And then, I mean, yeah, and I mean, then they had Cooper, and they had, you know, they had guys that they just started building around. Because yeah, Larry Lakers Bird was drafted championships, the Celtics. You know, Parrish was already there. Um, McHale was yeah. already there. Um, yeah, and McHale was drafted, if I remember right, yeah. by the Celtics as well. And so, a lot of it was just the drafting that you can end up doing. Oh, most Correct. definitely. Like guys stayed with their teams then, you know. And now it's like it's yeah. not the case. Like they have to build these super teams, you know. And yeah, you're totally right. It's like even mm-hmm. the Bulls. It's like and Chicago Horace Grant. Pippen, yeah. You know, they picked up all these small little guys. Like yeah, and Horace Grant. B.J. They Armstrong. Up all these little and... guys like Bill Paxton. You know, and and yeah, B.J. Armstrong, Bill yes, Cartwright. I, I mean, they, Bill Cartwrights. You know, they just kind of pick up um, time these, with these the guys. Bulls. Did he end up winning all the championships with the Bulls? Well, I know he definitely won the first three, and I don't recall if he was still sitting on the yeah, bench. I think he was like six and because the spot the that he was six. playing I'm basically is Dennis Rodman's sure. spot. So, but I know, so he wasn't getting any playing time. Well, what's so? Mm-hmm. Well, what's so funny if you if you recall that the mm-hmm. the Bulls had two bad boys yep. on their team for the second run. They had yep. Dennis Rodman and they had John Sally. And John Sally was a bad boy too on the Pistons. And they and they were on the Bulls for their second run. The second running of the Bulls winning those three championships in a row. They yep. just jumped on board and like let's let's do some winning. You know? So so yeah, man. No, I'm just super impressed by the documentary so far, and I can't wait for episodes five and six, you know, to come out and definitely see some, you know, maybe some knowledge get dropped on me about that dream team year, 
you know, and it's really interesting still diving into the team dynamics of that 96 and 90, I mean, 97 and 98 season when basically uh, Phil Jackson would say, you could win all 82 games, you're not coming back. And Jordan's like, if Phil ain't coming back, I ain't coming back. And Pippen was like, Phil ain't coming back. Yep. I sure as hell ain't coming back because you guys ain't paying me shit. You know, yeah, it's so, super crazy. Uh, I was so sitting there cool, so. um, talking with the wife. She was watching it with me. And she was saying that, you know, I told her that Michael Jordan ended up retiring after 98. And she's like, well, I didn't realize that he retired. I thought he played longer. And sitting there looking at it, Michael could have played longer. You know, he ended up retiring before he ended up getting to, he was still kind of in his prime when he ended up uh, retiring in 98, but he just didn't want to play without Phil. He wanted to, he wanted to have his team. That was kind of like the way of how you ended up being in the NBA is you end up staying with your team. Your legacy is with your team. If Michael ended up leaving to go to, you know, another team or staying there to play and, you know, he did not want to play. So he was trying to force the hand and he got to a point where he's just like, Oh, well I did. I did what I did for the NBA. And, you know, I would have loved to see 98, 99 season and 99, 2000 seeing Michael being able to play with Phil on the, you know, the squad and then having Scotty Pippen, you know, I wish, wish we could have got more. Yeah, because that was about the time that the, uh, well, I think that was about the time like the San well, yeah, Antonio's first what was that based around? You know, I mean, you have Michael Jordan and the Bulls that is doing the triangle offense and being a team and a team atmosphere, and then suddenly the Spurs take over and they end up being a team atmosphere who is like the most boring team to watch, and I loved watching them because I'm like they're playing team basketball. You know, you had Sean Elliott. Yep who was one of my favorite players on that team because he was a role player. He knew what to do. He knew how to understand the game. And that's kind of like the same way of Dennis Rodman. So, yeah, super interesting trying to think about how the NBA has changed. Um, team atmosphere and having some of those role players in the right spots instead of trying to always be a shooter or scorer or this or that. I don't think they have that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, well, man, uh, I think uh, on the next podcast, we'll definitely do a uh, a review of episode five and six. And yep, uh, remember to uh, bring your pub beer uh, so we can so we can do the the review on the pub beer and I'll I'll bring my beer of choice for the week and we can uh, we can crack a man and do a live review and and uh get in and talk about episodes five and six of the last dance and yep do some bullshit and about some other stuff so uh but i think uh for yep. today we'll go Broskies. ahead and uh, wrap Broskies this episode out. up and 